Welcome to Awakening Reformation, where Reformation awakens now. My name is not Grant. It is I, Erica. And tonight I am joined with two very lovely ladies. Sandra Rollett, which you guys should be very familiar with by now. And Rochelle Castle. Hey, y'all. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) They've agreed to come on the podcast, but... With a little bit of hesitation. Isn't I it mean, always with hesitation? It's my first podcast. I'm a little nervous. Well, we will give you a grade at the end. Okay, thank you. It just I says, do best under pressure. It just says Sandra left the chat. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Oops. <laughs> okay. She's like, in on that note, bye. <laughs> yeah. I don't want part of this. I changed my mind. I don't know what I did. There we go. That's so funny. Well, how are you okay. ladies doing now that we're all on the same page? I'm doing good. Just keeping busy. I'm doing good. Anything? I mean, I'm living out of boxes, but <laughs> I'm doing good. Sandra has been promised a house by the military for the last seven months, and she's yet to get one. After, of course, you pro- you packed up all your boxes. Yeah. Exactly. It's all good. I, I can drink out of Jurassic Park cups. I mean, it's fine. So they're plastic and they're for kids. I just won't break anything. It's fine. They have a Velociraptor on them. It's cool. Mm-hmm. Indeed. I thought it would be kind of fun, since it's just us ladies, to talk about some things that are particularly challenging for women. Because sometimes that can be awkward to talk about with my husband. Like, it's not awkward for me to talk about them with him, but it might be awkward for him to talk about them via podcast. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> One of the things that I think is particularly challenging for a lot of women, especially this time of the year, would be controlling emotions with the holidays coming up with in-laws in town with just the insanity that can be the holiday season i think a lot of times women can uh, fall victim to their own emotional instability on facebook just the other day i had saw this meme about basically the things that a woman should let go of for her own like mental health and it was like let go of other people's expectations let go of all of those, uh, you know, dreams that you once had that were really for other people and like just weird stuff. Like women should just let it go, let it go, let it go because you only need to please yourself. But the funny thing is that I saw a lot of Christian women sharing that, that meme as though like that would, that would be a virtue for Christian women to just let go of everyone else's expectations, let go of everyone else's needs and wants and just do whatever makes you feel great because you only need to please yourself. That's my favorite person to please, Erica. <laughs> That's probably true. <laughs> no, it is. I'm just saying. I would much rather please myself than anybody else. <laughs> and that comes pretty naturally, though. Do we really need to, like, talk ourselves into that? I, mean, I don't think I... so. I think I'm pretty good at it, personally. Like, even the Bible says that man doesn't forget to care for himself. It's just, like, a natural thing for a person to to take care of their own personal needs it's very unnatural for us to actually think about 
others and count others more important than ourself, which is actually a biblical concept. I don't think that there's a lack of anybody wanting to please themselves. You know, I mean, isn't that part of self-worship? I think there's like two types of women too, right? The type of woman who is the people pleaser. And then there's the type of woman who's basically always the I'll do what I want. You can't tell me. But I think both of those women are actually worshiping themselves. Even the people pleaser. Well, yeah. Isn't the people pleaser isn't the reason she wants to please people is yet for herself. Yeah. Because she doesn't want them to be unhappy with her. Yeah. She wants to look good. She wants to be liked, be popular. That trap is sometimes easier to fall in as a Christian because we look like we're serving other people. See, we look like we're loving our neighbor and we look like we're, you know, taking care of everyone else. And that seems to be the virtue but we're not doing it for biblical reasons, and and it still is like self-serving. I do think it it goes against your human nature to do it because it's biblical and what God wants you to do. Have you heard people say something to the effect of, "I don't want to accept anything from anyone because I don't want to owe someone"? Like if I accept your handout, if I accept your help, then I owe that person, and I don't want to owe anyone. Oh yes, the expectation of an expectation. Yeah. Right. And I think I'm sure I've even said that at some point in my life. I want to be completely self-sufficient so that I I don't feel as though I owe you anything. But even that is like a totally un-Christian belief too, because Christians should give and be giving, but be open-handed in our giving. We give without strings. We give without expecting anything in return. And then we also receive blessings from other people. Like when other people do serve us, it should be with gratitude, not, not because... We want to abuse them, but because we're allowing for them to use their giftings to glorify God. For an example, there were many times that when Sandra and I would live next to each other and we would watch each other's children and we never played the game of like, well, I watched your kids this day, so you give me, you know, four hours of childcare next week. And like we didn't, it wasn't like a tit for tat. You know, it was, you serve me without expectations. I serve you without expectations. And this is just how we love each other without any expectation of receiving anything in return. We didn't do it begrudgingly, as far as I know. (laughs) I mean, there was a few times, but that's okay. We don't have to go into that right now on the podcast. We can talk about it later. Well, I think there was this understanding that I want to bless you and watch your children so you and your husband go on a date or so you can get to that doctor's appointment or whatever. Mm-hmm. I want to do this just to bless you. Not because I want you to owe me something or because I owe you something, but just because I want to be a blessing to you. Right. So like nothing's owed. I think that, you know, people really have a hard time with that because there is that, like you said, that if I, if I do this for you, then you owe me something or If I let you do this for me, then, well, now I owe you and I might not want to owe you Mm -hmm. because you might ask that of me when it's really inconvenient for me. Or I'm just selfish and I don't ever want to serve you. Right. Yeah. So, no, I I definitely think that we see that quite often. And in the church, sadly. I mean, yeah. A lot of times I've probably seen it more in the church than anywhere else. It can be hard sometimes to even accept blessings because you're not used to people blessing. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it's not something that people do all the time anymore. And so when someone does try to bless you, I know sometimes it can almost feel, like, awkward. Like, Like, you shouldn't accept it. But really, I mean, we all should be blessing one another and it shouldn't be awkward to accept it or to do. Right. Do you think it feels awkward because we're prideful? Like there's a sense of pride? 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Guaranteed. Yeah. Maybe that's an well, American so thing. Well, Maybe. Yeah. I mean, in America, you're not supposed to. In America, you're supposed to like work really hard and fend for yourself, right? Right. There is a biblical <laughs> concept there of like, if a man won't work, then a man shouldn't eat. But that's different well, from yeah. the man who's been in a car accident and can't go to work. And now the church body needs to rally around that family or something. I know for me, I was raised in a generation where you were expected as a woman to know how to take care of yourself and mm-hmm. not to depend on anyone else. Yeah. That you shouldn't depend on anyone. And so I know coming from being raised in that culture, it can be hard to want to accept it because it's like, I shouldn't need anything. Yeah. You know, I should be able to take care of myself. That feminist Not that that's biblical, but. Yep. Do you think that leads then to even um, pride within marriage? Like what if a husband wants to serve his wife and lead his wife, a wife can feel then like, I shouldn't need you to pay for groceries. I have my own job. I shouldn't need you to um, take care of the kids. I've got the kids. I shouldn't need you to put gas in the car. I can fill up my own gas tank. Don't open the door for me. Thank you very much. I'm more than capable. Like just even small things like that, because we feel somehow patronized, even if it's just like a blessing that we may not need, like opening the door, it still is a a servant thing that our husbands can do that we can chide. Well, how many women do we know now that are married that have separate bank accounts from their husbands? Yeah, we'll we'll split the bills. So you pay this bill, I pay that bill. My favorite though is when they do that and then somebody like screws up on the bills or how much they spent. <laughs> they're like, "Hey, can you spot me?" Like, It'd be easier if you guys had the same bank account. <laughs> My husband and I are always going out to dinner, and we'll be like. I thought you were going to buy dinner. Like, we shared an account. Like, it's just funny at this yeah. point. But you can always see people be like, oh, I guess he'll have to get it next time. And I'm just like, like, this all comes from the same place. Like, we're just <laughs> we're just joking. Like, this is funny. That is hilarious. But it's so common that the waitress assumes that you mm-hmm. guys do have different accounts. Right. It's that sense of, well, I don't need a man to take care of me. I'm self-sufficient. Nobody should have to provide for me. I want to piggyback on that idea of like the pride and the feeling of not needing someone's generosity or not needing someone else to bless you. Many women will have that posture, but at the same time, as soon as they see their girlfriend post on Facebook, like, I'm having a rough day, or I got a new haircut, I'm unsure about it, or I feel like I did a mom fail today. Let me tell you the story about my mom fail. What is the first thing most Christian women will do. They will jump on that Facebook feed and they will pat them on the back and be like, oh no, sweetie, you're beautiful. You're great. You're wonderful. Like your kids are so lucky to have you or your husband doesn't know what he's talking about. You look great in that haircut. That's called flattery. (laughs) Well, and we want people to reassure us. Feel for me for five seconds because that's what we want, right? Mm -hmm. We just want somebody, oh yeah, it was, you know, it was a mom fail, but you're such a good mom. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, we want that pat on the back and that reassurance. and We want people to tell us how beautiful yeah. and special and great we are all the time, even well, when we may not be acting like it. Isn't that why we, like, post, like, a million selfies? Well, oh, some people. Maybe. Yeah, some people. <laughs> I'm about to say, I mean, like, that's, I mean, that's the whole reason social media is even popular. How many likes can I get on my cat video? Not that many. Apparently, well, people don't think they're as cute as I do. Apparently, they're not sending it to Rochelle. <laughs> Rochelle, you were talking about how we we feel this feminist lie has been taught to us. We feel as though we shouldn't need anyone, but 
we do need people. We are created to be communal beings because God is um, a triune God. We are created to need community because we're created in his image. And because of that, we often find community, false community online. We often find false community in like clubs or cliques, even weird things like Avon representatives or you know, selling oils or like whatever. We're always looking for community. We're always looking to belong somewhere. But oftentimes we will forsake the community that God has actually ordained for us to live within. We'll we'll shy away from the church trying to find false community, like false flattery other places to affirm us. In a way, it's easy to do. Mm -hmm. It's much easier to be in your sin and not reading your Bible, not doing what you're supposed to be. If I ask my children, especially after today, they would they would 100% agree. It was much easier <laughs> to sneak away and play with Legos than to do do school, you know? Right. I mean, I'm always like, but was it easier? Because it was the whole sneaking away and then trying to play quietly, not get caught. Yeah, that's true. Know? That's but a lie it's as well. Easier. Mm-hmm. But it was easier to please yourself. It was easier to just right. be like, ah, this is what I want to do to make that decision. We don't even want to admit to ourselves that this is a sin within me. Well, I think you know, it's, it's funny. It's easier to give into our sin. Well, I think it's really funny, though, because I feel like we came back to the pride thing. Like, we don't want to admit our sins. Yeah. You yeah. know, like, we just circled right back to pride. Yeah. Like, I think that's why women are drawn to flattery or drawn to affinity-based groups. The old-fashioned quilting bee or the whatever it is you know even way back in the day women had cliques that they would all get into and find some camaraderie around is easy to be affirmed and flattered around an affinity you all like that said thing that's like your pet thing well then it's really great like if, if you love that thing and I love that thing then if you're struggling with that thing as your idol you can go ahead and struggle and I'll struggle too and either one of us are going to point it out to each other or could it possibly be that bad if we're both if we're all if we're all struggling with the same thing then is it really that bad it must not be that bad hey guys if we had like a if we had to come up with our own weird little like women's click uh, affinity-based group, what do you think it would be focused on? Military wives who love cats. Yeah, we could do that. Yeah, I mean, Reformed or, or military specific. wives who love cats. Yeah, there or, we go. How about, like, how many, how many, how, like, how many cats you should have? Because I think we'd all agree that you probably can't have too many. You can have no. too many. You can. I have been in those just, houses. Oh, my word. <laughs> you can cut all this out. It's fine. I say she leaves it. It's real good content. <laughs> I was going to say that having self-control and control over your emotions, control over your tongue, that is a fruit of the spirit. And and we are called to walk in the spirit. So if we are walking in the spirit, having self-control is inevitable. When women are in constant need of that affirmation and that emotional support, I mean, you're obviously not walking in the spirit. You're obviously not being self-controlled. You're, you're constantly needing to be affirmed or patted on the back. And I mean, just going off of the whole thought of like the needing to be affirmed constantly by our friends. Proverbs even talks about how the wounds of a friend can be trusted. The kisses of what is it? Uh, uh, the kisses of an enemy are. are um, yeah, I think that's what Proverbs twenty-seven. Sure. Anyways, 
<laughs> sure, whatever. We'll go with that. But yeah, I mean, it's like we're like literally getting on social media. We're literally asking, you know, asking people, asking our friends, calling our friends, and we're saying, hey, give me those profuse kisses, right? Right. Like, let me act out of control, not in the spirit. Give me those kisses of an enemy. Well, and if the wounds of a friend can be trusted, then what would how would a how would a Christian friend wound you faithfully? It would look like pointing to scripture and Christian disciplines. Like when was the last time you went to church? When was the last time that you and your husband prayed together? When was the last time you did family worship? When was the last like and you could just kind of go down the list and be like, you haven't done any of those things, and yet you're seeking after something that you're thinking you're gonna find in your quilting bee or in your <laughs> oils group or like whatever, you know? But that's not right. where you're gonna get it. You're neglecting the Christian disciplines for this like false community, and you're not walking in the spirit, you're out of control. And then a, a Christian friend shouldn't just be like, Oh, honey, you've, you're just in a really stressful place right now. It's okay. You can act a, a mess. It's fine because you're just in a messy place in life. Christian friends mm-hmm. should be like, what are you doing? You're believing a lie. I mean, how, how many times have the two of y'all done that for me? I'm just saying. <laughs> I mean, it's every day of my life. <laughs> I mean, we all need it from time to time. And I think, I, honestly, I feel like, though, that the only true friendships you can really have our friendship in Christ because any other friendship that doesn't have that Christian discipline and things like that is a very superficial friendship and mm-hmm. it really never gets below that quilting bee or right. you know whatever hobby or things you have in common and those things those things don't last nope. and the only real thing that is going to last is God yeah and i mean well you grow right i mean we grow and we we decide well, quilting was fun for a while, but now we're into this. So you, so you move on from those friends, but those friendships mm-hmm. that are built in Christ, those friendships that say, hey, I love you, and I, I, I realize you're going through this really stressful and hard time, but, like, have you prayed with your husband? Have you been going to church? Or, mm-hmm. you know, or I've noticed this, and you're just, they're real with you, and they're like, hey, not trying to hurt your feelings, just letting you know that this is why you're struggling. Yeah. Because, mm-hmm. like, I don't know, you're not looking to God. <laughs> Right. Those are the friendships that you know you can trust because that you know, well, one, like if you're truly a Christian, you're not going to outgrow Christ, right? Right. Those friendships would be more real. Well, and I think we also have a tendency to believe the lie that love means you agree with some, everything mm-hmm. someone does. Mm-hmm. And that's not true. True love is telling someone if you see them in a bad place, calling them on it. Society is the one who tells us, hey, it's okay. You just need to love everybody no matter what they're doing. Love everything they do. Mm -hmm. And bad theology, right? Jesus loves everyone, so you must love everyone in the exact same way. There is no, like, special love that Christ has for his elect that the Christian has for another Christian. Like, there's a special bond and camaraderie that, like, Christians should have. And it's funny because oftentimes the church and people who especially love doctrine and theology are told, we don't need to talk about theology or doctrine because that's divisive. That's going to break the church up and that's going to get people angry at each other. But I would argue it's actually just the opposite. That, like, theology and doctrine... And the church actually functioning like it ought to is unifying. Because if you look at like how 
I mean, I don't know how y'all's churches are. I know how your church is, Rochelle. I don't know. Sandra's, <laughs> but uh, I used to go to Rochelle's church, for those of you who don't know. But, like, if you look at the body of Christ, it is multi-ethnic. Uh, it is multi-generational. There are people with differing gifts, differing states of walks of life, you know, differing socioeconomic places. It is so diverse. And, like, I can't even tell you how many really close friendships that I've had with women who are way older than me, way younger than me, different races, different backgrounds. And they have been some of my closest friends throughout my whole life. Like, that's unifying, yep. actually. It, it brings you right. closer. So, in the beginning, we were kind of talking about, like, the lies of feminism, you know, like, what we're, we're told to be self-sufficient. We're told that we can forsake everyone else's expectations for whatever we feel like in the moment, you know, follow your dreams, follow your heart, all that nonsense. We bought into the lie, and then we've exchanged the truth, which is belonging to the body of Christ, belonging to a community of believers, walking in the Spirit, um, you know, fearing God, shunning evil. That's what a Christian's walk is. Doing those things actually does bring you to the place where you don't need false flattery, false community. You're not craving affirmation on social media. You don't need your friends to pat you on the back. You stand on truth. You walk with other believers. You serve, you know, the church. You count others as more important than yourself, not out of, like, selfish ambition, but because you actually love other people and you want to serve them, not to get anything in return, just because you want to obey Christ. That is what brings women freedom that's what makes us feel like we belong, like we're working towards something important, like we're propelling forth the kingdom of Christ. We're helping build this eschaton. We're helping build and propel forth this this kingdom of Christ. That gives us a sense of something bigger than us. We're not just building our own little empires. It doesn't really mm-hmm. much matter if our friends on Facebook think we're really pretty or we got a bad haircut. Like that's not that's not where we get our value from. It's really easy to see these principles play out in marriage, especially Mm -hmm. because you do live so close to someone. And I know for me personally, I have moments where you you do end up falling into your sin every once in a while. And like I know I had a moment a while back where I felt like I wasn't appreciated for what I was doing in the house. And it hit me one day, I'm not doing it. So my husband tells me, thank you, or Mm -hmm. I appreciate you for his appreciation. I'm doing it because I'm supposed to, because I'm serving my husband and because I'm serving God. Mm -hmm. And that is really the only reason that it matters. Yeah. And then, you know, when you think of things like that, it changes your outlook on everything and it gives you purpose. It makes it, otherwise you just, yeah. I mean, otherwise you just end up getting bitter and resentful because you do start thinking that you should be getting something else in return instead of it being mm-hmm. just a gift. It makes it easy for it to become a, why am I not being praised for this? Yeah. Right. Instead of, I'm doing this for the bigger purpose. I'm not, I'm, yes, I'm serving my husband, but I'm doing it more so to serve Christ. Right. It's yeah. Praise to him. Walking right. in obedience. Glory to him. So are you right. saying that you guys believe in federal vision? That 
that women are saved by their works? Is that what you're saying? I'm just saying <laughs> that I believe in the Bible. <laughs> I mean, Thank I'm just you. saying. I mean, I'm just saying, like, um, Doug Wilson's not wrong. I don't even know in what other um, time frame in church history that Christians have really believed that we don't have to do good works. I mean, yeah, I'm I mean, not I'm not like an expert certainly. in church history, but like literally I'm pretty sure large portions of scripture and all throughout church history the church has believed if you are a Christian, you must walk in obedience because Jesus says if you love me, you'll obey me. But this really is what it boils down to though, right? Like what we're saying yeah, is yeah. do the good works that a Christian woman ought to do and stop doing the bad works that a Christian woman ought not do. Right? You love the Lord and you're reading your Bible, and you're serving him, then you're bound to do good works. Yeah. Because you're doing what he said. Other Christian women around you should be saying and and spurring you on to good works, right? Yeah. And if that ticks you off, if it irritates you, that you should be doing the good works that the Lord has asked you to do, or not even asked you, told you to do, then I'm... Check your heart, girl. What is it? Like, instead of girl, wash your face, girl, read your Bible. (laughs) Yeah, right? I have a question for you. I'm going to answer my own question. (laughs) As I often do. Uh, Hashtag pride. So what do you think would be the one thing that we discussed tonight that other women would listen to or hear us say and maybe misunderstand or get their feathers all in a ruffle about? I think men are at a point in today's society where they're used to being told that they're wrong Mm. and women aren't. Ooh. You know, I mean, everything that we tell every we tell men like everything you do is wrong. You just roll over and listen to us, right? Yep. So, Feminism and us, I mean, women. Yeah, yeah. So women, since we're always right, because we don't want to be told we're wrong, we don't want to be told that we're over emotional. We don't want to be told that you know we shouldn't be appreciated in every single thing that we do, whether we're having a mom fail or not. So I think that pretty much every woman is probably going to be like, really, Erica, this is the topic you picked? (laughs) Do you think that feminism is like a more specialized humanism? You know, like humanism is basically us saying that we are our own God and feminism is basically just like, no, not everyone is their own God, just women. Women are God. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think I agree with that. Well, I think our female listeners are probably going to feel like, well, you don't know my life. You don't know my emotions. You don't know what I go through every day. Who are you to judge? Mm. Who are you to mm-hmm. tell us, you know, how we should feel and how we should behave? We're the other women who feel and behave the same way. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and we're ashamed of it. <laughs> yes, exactly. But it's not on our authority that we say any of this. No. no We're appealing no, to a higher one. Right. No, it's, it's look at your Bible. Listen to, listen to what the Lord says. Okay, so another question then. What do you think you would say to a man, a man out there who has suffered through this podcast thus far and thought, my wife would do really well to listen to this, but I can't <laughs> tell her to listen to this because she'll be very offended? How would you encourage a man who maybe is married to a woman who is very hard to live with how would you encourage him encourage his wife towards godliness oh that's a hard thing i would say first off i would tell him to pray for his wife mm-hmm. and i would also and with his wife and with his wife yeah. yes but i would also say that it would probably be beneficial to step up and be the head of the household 
Make her mad? Like, it's okay to make her mad? Is that what you're saying? I mean, it is okay to make people mad. (laughs) And if what you're giving her is biblical advice and you're leading like you ought to be leading your home, she's not really angry with you. She's angry with God. Exactly. And I mean, it is going to ruffle feathers because it goes against everything we've been taught our whole lives. I mean, unless you're one of those like real privileged people who grew up with like great parents who went to... Those are rare. To church and stuff. Yeah, they're rare. That's the point. Are you calling you're calling them privileged? <laughs> it's, it's called Christian. I didn't know privilege. Privilege. Christian, Christian privilege. Christian privilege. Christian privilege. Christian home. Christian privilege. I like it. I'm just saying, like, trap her in the car, go on a long ride, lock the doors, and put on the podcast. I mean, where's she gonna go? If she jumps out of the car, you didn't do anything to abuse her. Right. <laughs> you heard it from Sandra first. <laughs> Kidnap your wife. <laughs> Kidnap your wife. Have her listen to the podcast. Pray with her at the end. Yeah. And you know, honestly, I will just be willing to say, I don't know about y'all, but there have been times in a mine and Grant's own marriage where I have been frustrated with him not leading how I thought he ought to lead. Mm-hmm. And so what does a woman do when she's frustrated at her husband's lack of leadership? She makes him lead, which is really just us taking control and leading. And so <laughs> this is why like husbands or, um, you know, men in the church, even in like leadership positions have cowered because women feel like we don't need anyone. We don't need our husband. Yeah. We don't need a male pastor. We don't need anyone telling us what to do. Okay, well, then we can't be upset when they take that back seat. And now you're, you know, you're frustrated as a Christian wife because your husband's not leading. He's probably not leading because you've done something to push him out of that position. And you need to repent before you start telling him how he's not leading. We really run the gamut on this episode. We didn't have the intention of going into like feminism, leadership, the quilting bee scene <laughs> you never know where you're gonna go <laughs> thanks for that fun ride we kind of went all over the place but i hope this was beneficial to our listeners and you can glean something out of it uh, we sure had fun and we thank you for listening if you would like to get to know more about rebel alliance media you can find us at rebelalliancemedia.com. you can find us on all of the social medias Um, If you enjoyed this episode, please comment on the link on our Facebook or Instagram. We would love to hear from you guys and hear how this blessed you or hear how we made you angry. That could be fun, too. Thanks again to Sandra and Rochelle for joining me on this special episode. And until next time, get woke. Let's start with the microphone check. One, two, first. Water to the dry and weary soul of the true church. The kind of things that few search. They say that the truth hurts. Well, this pain is gained, so let's explain the new birth. First things first, can't neglect this at the start. I must preface my remarks with the deadness of the heart from original sin. The effects of the fall. The sin of our first parents brought death to us all. Since Adam was our federal head, what he did counted for us. In him were all rebels and dead. Yo, captured in the mind, disaster, sin and crimes in a dark state, Alaska in the winter time, sour in our frames, left to ourselves, we be devoured in the flames, cause we're powerless to change, if you feel that way, I pray that you respond happily, as you see what Jesus had to say in John chapter 3.
peep this, you'll see that verse one is my thesis. It's the deepest truth that should get you speechless. What scripture teaches will fill in the missing pieces. Picture Jesus meeting up with Nicodemus. Perhaps it was fright about the other Pharisees' wicked spite against Christ that turned this into Nicked Night. He called the rabbi and gave him props, said he was a teacher from God. Jesus replied, made him stop. Regarding the kingdom of God, no one's going in. In fact, you can't even see it unless you're born again. That must have consumed and stretched his mind, cause he said, Can a man enter his mother's womb a second time? Naturalistically, the only way for him to hear it. Jesus said, You must be born of the water and the spirit. No other way to enter heaven. That sounds like Ezekiel 36, 25 to 27. In this new birth, the spirit is the source and the agent. The water symbolizes spiritual purification. Flesh can only produce flesh, that's true and factual. Regenerating work of the spirit is supernatural. It's kind of like the wind, which is free. East to west can't receive the steps. You can only see its effects in the same way the Holy Spirit chooses who he pleases to sovereignly open their eyes to the truth of Jesus. For the spirit's mysterious operation uh-huh. We will all be under serious condemnation I'd still be rejecting the sun If God hadn't said let there be light Like Genesis 1 yeah. And just like the light could not refuse to shine Irresistible grace has renewed my mind Let's exalt the king who died and truly is risen The new birth is not the effect of human decision But the cause It changes our natural habitation The situation It's a radical transformation I was cursed and polluted So my dirt was inexcusable With new internal his person is beautiful, his worth is indisputable The lamb is amazing, a standing ovation for his work in the crucible So let us respond with true worship and love To the God who has given new birth from above